The following sermon was delivered during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is our guest preacher for today's service. It's my pleasure to welcome to the pulpit of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church this morning, the Reverend Aisha Brooks Lytle, Executive Presbyter of the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta. A native of Philadelphia, Reverend Brooks Lytle has a bachelor's degree in jazz voice performance from Temple University and a Master of Divinity degree from Princeton Theological Seminary. She spent her early career as a youth minister at Wayne Presbyterian Church in Pennsylvania on the main line there and has shared her ministry of music, preaching, teaching, and pastoral care with congregations in New Jersey and New York as well. In 2018, the good reverend was called to be the executive pastor uh, in the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta. She's recently been featured on a number of uh, Presbyterian podcasts, including the one that features the 1001 New Church Initiative, which this congregation is uh, participating in through our Mustard Seed Initiative and the new church plant that Chris Romine is uh, undertaking called Common Ground. Two years ago, I was on the phone with Tom Long the guru of all things Presbyterian preaching. And I asked Tom, who should I have on my radar screen for inviting to the FAPC pulpit? And he was quick in responding. He said, you should put Aisha at the top of your list. I did, she said yes, she's here today. Let's give a warm Fifth Avenue welcome to this accomplished pastor and preacher, our 2020 Martin Luther King Sunday pastor, Aisha Brooks Lytle. Please join me in prayer. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and our minds may be open. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Reading from Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is just for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never, I, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you have established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my life if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? 
Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The word of God for you, the people of God. Friends, I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I bring you special greetings from the Presbytery of Greater Atlanta, where your beloved associate pastor emeritus, Oscar McLeod, and his amazing wife, Kathy, have called that place their home. There's probably more than six degrees of separation between us, between friends from this church, folks who attended Princeton Seminary during the time that I was there, and other ecumenical partners and PCUSA leaders who call this amazing city home. But for very different reasons, this congregation, this place, is very special to me. On Thanksgiving weekend, 1999, my late husband and I attended this church. It was our honeymoon weekend. Our pastor at the time from Wayne Presbyterian Church, John T. Galloway Jr. said, if you're going to go to church, assuming that we were going to church on our honeymoon weekend, <laughs> if you're going to go to church, make sure you check out Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. And so I said to Carl, I was like, I think we got we to gotta go to Fifth Avenue. And so we came that weekend of our honeymoon and sat over in that section back there. We came twice that week for Sunday worship and for the Thanksgiving Day service. I still have the postcards that say thank you for coming to worship with us. And so as a widow who knows that joy comes in the morning after dark and long and weary nights, I am so honored and thankful and joyful to be here with you on this day on MLK Jr. Sunday. What a day, what a moment. So we family, as we say in Philly and as we say in Atlanta, we family, amen? Amen, okay? So I'm just glad, I'm just glad to be here. And so I'm glad to open up the word. I'm honored to be here as a sister in Christ, as a daughter of God, but I'm just another disciple trying to live by the spirit and make, what, and make sense of what it means to follow Jesus. So if you will, please listen now for our second reading that comes from Galatians chapter six, verses one through 10. Listen now for the word of the Lord. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride for all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life from the spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, 
for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Have mercy. On us. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength, our hope, our rock, our love, and our Redeemer. Amen. As a young woman in her mid-40s, yes, I put those two things together. As a young woman in her mid-40s, I have learned a few things. The older you get, the more your body will grow weary. For me, it was my eyes. Right up until that time, I had been known to wear fashion-forward frames, not because I needed them, but because it went with my outfit. But when that 40 mark hit, things began to change. I often tell the story of taking my son to get his eyes checked for his first pair of glasses. I'll be honest, I was a little judgmental. I couldn't believe that he couldn't see that much from a distance. And then it was my turn. I couldn't see anything past the third line. And then the doctor began to change the lenses. You know, all that clicking sound happens. And how about now? And how about now? And I often tell the story that I felt like I was blind. Bartimaeus said it was a miracle. I almost jumped out the chair. I said, I can see. I can really see. <laughs> about every two years, I have to update these lenses because my eyes will continue to grow weary. And I need the right prescription strength so that I can see all the beauty, pay attention to all the details, and make sense of the nuances around me. If we're honest, we all know what it's like to grow tired or weary in our daily living. We know the feeling in our bodies. We know it in our minds. We know it in our souls. Soul weary, I call it. It's when your spirit, which was created to flourish and thrive and to soar, feels weighed down, discouraged, and deflated. In Paul's letter to the Galatian Christians, he is calling on them not to grow weary. You see, if weariness comes with age and experience, then these Christians are a little too young to be so weary. My mother used to say to me when I was younger and I would complain about my teenage aches and pains, she would look at me and say, girl, you are too young to be that weary. Paul was at the heart of this new Jesus movement. 
especially as it related to his heart and passion for Gentile believers. This new Jesus movement startup that began with the followers of Jesus had exploded on the scene, and now Jews and Gentiles coming together to claim one Lord and one faith and one baptism. But even for this young expression of the faith, there was tension. And wherever there's tension, people run the risk of growing weary. Now, while Paul was living his life as a passionate, visionary preacher and teacher of the gospel, his brother in Christ, Peter, sometimes stood on the opposite side of issues of the Jewish requirements for Gentile believers. Paul was the visionary who truly believed that the gospel shouldn't take away the Jewish traditions among Jewish Christians. But he didn't believe that Gentiles who had come to know Christ should have to live into those traditions in order to live for Christ fully. This Jew and Gentile divide was a huge issue. Paul wanted a gospel of inclusion for Jews and Gentiles. And at times, Paul and Peter would come to agreements, and at other times, depending who was around the table, they didn't always see eye to eye. You see, tension will make you want to give up on people. Tension will lead to weariness, and you will want to call it quits. But the Apostle Paul, he knew firsthand what was at risk when the body gets tired and the mind gets tired and the soul is weary. This type of tension and division could have hurt the mission of the church and the proclamation of the gospel. This type of division and discord. It could have been a distraction from preaching good news to the poor and releasing the captives and caring for those in need. But it is this encouragement that Paul offers his first audience that is an encouragement to himself as much as it is an encouragement to you and to me. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, for especially those in the family of faith. In other words, don't give up doing what is right. Don't forget that there will be a harvest. Don't give up on the family of faith, even when you're at odds. And don't forget the greater good for all. Paul, that sounds great. But how do we do it? If we're honest this morning, we're weary from the news. We're weary from this violence. We're weary from Christian perspectives that don't even sound Christ-like. We're weary from our own efforts. In order to do any of these things, in order not to grow weary, it takes a different set of lenses and how we see our way through a weary-making world. In a book entitled A Lens of Love, Jonathan Walton invites us to be mindful of the ways in which we look at scripture and really how we look at the world. A graduate of Morehouse and Princeton Theological Seminary and a colleague, John, Jonathan is an author and an ethicist and a scholar. 
He keeps his pulse on today's generation as they are trying to make sense of what it means to love and find meaning and seek justice. You can find out more about him on his Wikipedia page and he keeps his Instagram popping, as the young people say. <laughs> Jonathan serves as the dean of Wake Forest Divinity School, but this book, it came out at his time serving Memorial Church of Harvard University. In this book, it was born out of a round table of discussions over dinner with the young adults in his church. Even though they were young, they were starting to show signs of weariness. They didn't know if they could make sense of the Bible anymore. They didn't know if they could reconcile Christian views that didn't respect their academic disciplines or their daily experiences. They couldn't make sense of parts of the Bible that seemed to contradict the call for inclusion and justice and hope for all. These young people were beginning to grow weary and perhaps even disillusioned because the truth is that you can be weary at any age or any stage of your life and on this Christian journey. They wanted to know, was there room for them in the church? Was there room for their questions and their doubts? and their hopes, and their tension in the text. Jonathan's work and invitation is a call to not give up and to take on spiritual lenses that can only be given to us by a God whose love is both deep and wide. Jonathan says this, but I try to put on lenses of love, to look for those with whom God most aligns the marginalized, and the victimized. I aim to step inside of a text and search for the lonely, the left out, and those who have been left behind. Here we will find the spirit of God and God's radical love for us. Friends, we need to ask God to check our vision. We need lenses of love when we look at our neighbor. We need lenses of love when we watch the news. We need lenses of love when we see injustice. We need lenses of love. For we know that even though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning, even if it feels like the morning is taking so long to come. You see, if we don't ask God to check our vision, our eyes will grow weary making it hard for us to see hope in God's word, making it hard for us to see humanity in everyone, making it hard for us to see an opportunity to work for justice, not in our own strength, but out of the power of the spirit who calls us to love God and to love neighbor. We need to ask God, what correctives do we need in our lenses so that we can hold on to hope in an age everyone has the potential to be tired. Last fall, our Presbytery leaders talked about what would be important worship themes for the year 2020. We came up with this word. It's really unique. Vision. <laughs> I know. It's 2020. Every church all across the globe, they're like, what should we pick for 2020? Vision. It's everybody's word, and we're just going to live into it. How can we not talk about vision. We agreed as a presbytery to take on an invitation from the larger denomination to be a Matthew 25 presbytery. 
It simply means that at least 20% of the churches say yes to at least one of the following three areas. To be concerned about building congregational vitality, dismantling structural racism, and eradicating systemic poverty. We began to talk as leaders. We got real. We said, are we ready to ask all of our churches to talk about this? What if we don't all see eye to eye? What if we don't all agree? What if folks don't think that this is attainable? What if folks don't care? And someone said quietly, you know, we have to be mindful that this is also an election year and tensions may be running high. I've only been an executive presbyter for two years, but I was like, you know what? I think it's a good time to wrap this up. It's been great, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to Philly. You got some space for me in New York. I was like, we can just wrap this up. I was getting tired just at the idea of talking about health and racism and poverty in 2020 in an election year where people are already tired. And then someone said, this is the time to invite people to say yes to this invitation, to care about systems that keep people oppressed. So for us, as a presbytery in Atlanta, we're saying yes to this invitation, not simply to do something that sounds new, but because this conversation gives churches and leaders a chance to ask God to check their eyesight. Because it's only through a hermeneutical lens of love can you see Christ in the poor. Can you see Christ in the marginalized? Only with the lens of love can you even see Christ in your perceived or actual enemy. Because if we're going to be honest, even our enemies struggle with demons we may not know or see. It's only through lenses of love where we have the courage to not give up, even in the face of structures and systems that seem insurmountable. While the word for our presbytery is vision and we'll look at these three initiatives throughout the year, the Lord and I had a personal conversation. The Lord gave me a threefold word for the year. You can consider these my specialty spiritual trifocal lenses from the Lord. I need it so that I don't get weary. I need it so that I don't give up on my siblings in the family of faith, so that I work for the common good of all in a year of vision. The Lord told me, Aisha, you need to remain slow and steady and surrounded. So this trifocal specialty lenses that the Lord has given me, maybe you can try them on. This is my prayer for the year. Slow. Lord, slow down my snap judgments. Lord, slow down my vilification of the other. Lord, slow down my reactions to what I see and hear and feel. Help me to slow down so that I don't react, but that I act according to your will. Steady. Lord, keep me steady in your word. Keep me steady in your kingdom's work and keep me steady in my worship of you. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get disoriented. It's easy to get discouraged. But Lord, when I think of Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail 
I can only imagine how weary he must have been. And I think of your spirit and how you led him to compose that letter. Steady hand, steady thoughts, steady in God's word, steady in worship in a jail cell, steady in his conviction that the gospel of Jesus Christ calls for justice, even if your siblings in the faith, faith don't agree. Steady. Lord, just keep me steady. Surrounded. Lord, remind me of who I am and whose I am. Lord, remind us all of the great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on in the struggle for freedom and justice. Thank you, Lord, for those who marched, for those who sat, for those who prayed, for those who planned, for those who took beatings and hoses and dogs and faced death head on. Remind me, remind us that we are surrounded by your power and your grace. Remind us that by your spirit, we shall not be moved. Give us the strength in the face of weariness. Make us warriors of love and justice and peace. Lord, keep me slow and steady and surrounded. Slow and steady and surrounded. Friends, this is my prayer for us all, that God will sustain us in this year and in the years ahead. I'm asking that God will check our spiritual sight and fit us with a prescription that will allow us to love and to not grow weary, and that our resilience will reap a harvest of hope and strength and freedom and love that has the power to tear down forces and structures that have kept folks captive and that we will be inspired and that we will inspire generations to not grow weary until all are free. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. So I learned this when I was working in a church in New Jersey. Grab the hand of someone next to you. You might have to cross the aisle. That's a whole other sermon. Grab the hand of somebody next to you. I had the honor of seeing To Kill a Mockingbird last night. Atticus Fitch quotes Psalm 30, verse 5. After all the ups and downs in this storyline, he says, you know, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And then Calpurnia, who's the domestic for the family, steps forward. And she says, yeah, that's all well and good, but sometimes it seems like mourning takes a really long time. Sometimes it feels like mourning takes a really long time. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Slow, steady, and surrounded. Because I promise you that joy really does come in the morning. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. 
We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address, worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646 646- Four nine one eight three three one. Thank you and God bless.